Hello, nerds, and welcome to the Engadget Podcast. This is episode 28, Disconnection Notice. I am your host, Terrence O'Brien. I am joined this week by Devendra Hardwar. Hello. Morning, sir. Morning. And Dana Woolman. Yo. How are you doing? I'm doing well. How about you? I'm, I'm all right. I'm, uh, I, I don't know. I'm, we have some changes in store for the show this week. Uh, I'm, I, I, I hesitate to say that I'm excited about them, but I'm interested to see how they play out. Um, in as much as you can be excited about things, Terrence. Yes. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I, I, yeah. as people who know me can attest, I am not a guy who gets very excited <laughs> about things in general. This is like me amped up and doing like, you know. This is like craft brewery visit, like all day visit for Terrence. Yeah, yes, exactly. Okay. Um, so we, we, we've been asking for feedback. We've mm-hmm. been asking for suggestions and... Um, we have gotten a few from people, uh, from viewers and listeners out there, and so we're gonna we're gonna make some slight tweaks to the format, um, and we want to keep getting your feedback. We'll repeat our call for messages and emails and all of that stuff at the end of the episode as we normally do. Um, but we will do what you say, which is kind of a fun game. Yeah, I mean, it's the show's in flux. It's 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 a thing. We're experimenting. Um, so we're going to make some tweaks to Flame Wars this week. Okay. Um, and I guess we should just jump right into it, right? Why not? So we are going to go into Flame Wars, start the week as we do every week. Um, and this is where we kind of debate the biggest topics uh, and stories that are going on. The, the change this week is going to be there are no winners or losers. Um, instead of doing this sort of thing where we box people in and Dana gets stuck making arguments that... Um, she doesn't necessarily believe or put a whole lot of effort into. Um, we're just going to kind of like dissect some of the the big decisions that companies and people have had to make over the course of the week. And we're going to still do the devil's advocate mm-hmm. thing and sort of pull them apart. But we're not going to put Dana in a little box and make <laughs> her Avenger won't benefit from having pre-selected all of the um, right answers. Yes. Yeah. So we're basically turning into like a Park Slope Elementary School. No winners, no losers. No winners. Just participation. Yep. Yeah, everybody gets a participation yeah. trophy. Great. Trophy. <laughs> trophy. Trophy. Uh, that's what we're going to do at the CES stage next year. I want year. stickers, though. I want a, I want a gold star. I want a gold star. I think we can do that. Um, oh, man. I should get some gold stars. Yes. Okay. That's going to happen next week. Gold stars. Uh, we also have a little bit of a theme this week. I don't know if we'll be able to pull this off every week going forward. Mm-hmm. Um but this week, basically, I found three stories of things that are making a comeback, products that are being resurrected, companies that are going back to the way things used to be. Um, and we're going to kind of try to figure out if that is the right decision for them. We're going to start off with a, a fun one, I think, um, <laughs> which is Playboy. Okay. So in October of 2015, Playboy made the decision that they were going to cease having nudity in their magazine and on their website. Um, Apparently, that has not worked out quite the way they thought it would. And starting with the most recent issue, which I believe is going to be the March issue, this is what we're talking about, um, they are going back to having full frontal nudity in the magazine and on the website again. Um, what what did we do without this? I, like, how did the world work? I don't know. So, well, here's here's my where we, I think we should <laughs> start, um, which is why did they do away with nudity in the first place? Yeah, I'm I'm still unclear. I think they thought that oh, there's so much porn on the internet. There's so much on the internet. We could be different by being a little more artistic about it. Uh, it never quite made sense to me, though. Yeah. I mean, Dana, do you have any insight there, any thought? Well, as a wise old Muppet said, the internet <laughs> is for porn. <laughs> and so I don't, I don't necessarily think um, getting rid, rid of nudity was the best decision, but I don't think that their classic business model was doing much for them at that time either. And I don't know that this is necessarily a silver, what is it? Magic bullet? It's not a magic bullet for them. Silver bullet, yeah. Either Whatever one it works. Is. Yeah. It, it's good. not necessarily a recipe for mm-hmm. a comeback now. I mean, to the point we've all been making, um, there's no shortage of free nudity, mm-hmm. porn even, actual sexual activity <laughs> um, on the you internet. You just stumble into it accidentally. But this is also a media story too, right? This is a story about a publication yeah. that's struggling in the current media environment. This one just happens to be about nudity. So, I mean, yeah. that that was largely the reason they gave when they did away mm-hmm. with nudity in uh, 2015, which was, you know, the internet is loaded with pornography. 
we much don't of need... it user generated and and, yeah. pro- and therefore um, made on a, a much smaller budget, if any, than the budget of holding out your phone. Yeah, yeah. 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 I mean, than the budget Playboy would would require. Yeah. And that means that it's obviously probably going to be more profitable and mm-hmm. all of this stuff. They don't have to invest as much time or effort in it. Um, and so Playboy kind of stepped away from that because of this. But was Playboy was Playboy ever competing for the same eyeballs? Really, I mean, mm-hmm. I guess classic playboy Mm -hmm. in 70s 80s 60s whatever that's that was you know a a pretty reliable source of pornography and nudity Mm -hmm. that was one of the reasons to read playboy um but in the internet age i feel like those were distinctly different audiences for sure and playboy they've always had a lot of great writers like mm-hmm. people say i read playboy for the articles but you know stephen king a bunch of people i mean that's a legitimate authors, thing yeah have written for playboy um yeah that like that's always been a valuable part of it i think the the appeal for some people probably was like maybe cool stuff to read along with you know casual nudity yeah mm-hmm. i mean it's They've always had a solid journalistic... Yeah. Um, right. And I mean, in recent years, you could get that online, get the articles online, and I guess get your nudity elsewhere, all without... And I don't really... I'm not speaking from experience, but the You don't have a regular <laughs> subscription to Playboy, Dana? Yes. Yeah, so either you'd have to subscribe or right, go through the embarrassment of saying, I'd like to buy a Playboy, please. <laughs> Is there uh, embarrassment to that? I mean, I'm asking you. I've never done it. Would you feel I've any shame? I've never had to buy a magazine. I mean, yeah. I've, it's been a while since I've bought a copy of Playboy. I will be <laughs> honest, the last copy of Playboy I bought uh, was the one with Marge Simpson on the cover. Because that was just you're like a, a nerd. You're a huge Yeah, I mean, nerd. it was like a, was, it was a weird thing that I was like, <laughs> I need to have uh, a copy of this. I remember that. Yeah. Um, also, to be fair, my wife was like super into She was like, we have to have the Marge Simpson copy. Sure. So he said at the beginning of the episode, mm-hmm. he doesn't get excited by very much. I think the opposite is true. <laughs> I think he gets excited by too much. Yeah. I'm just excited by all of the things. Um, yeah. I, I, I mean, look, Dana, I have to like, I gotta, I gotta keep the energy up on the show. I gotta like do do, do the song and dance for the mm-hmm. people. Um, <laughs> so, I mean, it's not. I don't know if it's a silver bullet, but do you think this is, you know, a good way for them to get back to their roots, get a little bit of attention on them again, and maybe, mm-hmm. if not boost subscriptions, at least boost readership. Yeah, I mean, I think so. It it never made sense to remove it. Um, Hugh Hefner's 25-year-old son, who's mm-hmm. now the chief creative officer of this magazine, um, like he's the one kind of pushing this idea of bringing it back. It makes sense just because, yeah, even though there's so much porn and so much nudity on the internet, um, you know, it, as we've seen from many link-sharing things like Taboola and all those things at the bottom of uh, articles, uh, having a little bit of nudity or sexiness to an image sells links too. It also, and I mean, one argument you haven't made, I'm Mm -hmm. I'm arguing on your side now, is um, Playboy isn't just a publication, but it's really a whole franchise now. Yeah, it's an institution. There's there's Playboy branded stuff, (laughs) you know, and places um, that you could go, and that brand is worth less if there's not nudity attached to that brand. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, The one last question, and then we'll move on to the next one, um, which is, you know, how... I guess it, it'll help to see the issue of the magazine as well, um, to see how this works out. But how do, does Playboy approach nudity in a different way now mm-hmm. to help differentiate themselves? I mean, they, they made sort of a big deal of saying, like, you know, we're going back to it. It's a social statement. But it also seems like they're treating it in a way that is, um, mm-hmm. I guess the argument they make is more artistic. It's not sure. necessarily about the nudity. It's about something else. Yeah. I mean, that would be a departure just because I think if Playboy had a tagline, I think it would have been before, girl next door, naked. Would that be their tagline? Wouldn't it be? <laughs> I mean, I don't know about I'm that. I'm thinking I, about Hugh Hefner's type. Uh-huh. I don't think that he has a type. Well, the blonde, pay, uh, like, Playboy bunny type. Yeah, I but I mean, I, I feel, feel like, like we need Trout here on this episode type, to talk about this. The, yeah. the, the yeah. Playboy bunny type has changed a lot mm-hmm. over the years. I mean, the, the what is generally considered beautiful by pop culture changes to some mm-hmm. extent year after year and generation from generation. And I think Playboy has always reflected that in some way. Sure. You know, definitely during the 80s, early 90s, it was the, the blonde uh, focus on bigger breasts and all that stuff. Mm-hmm. And then at some point... It definitely went back to the more, like you're saying, the girl next door thing. Um, you know, and if you 
without getting too graphic into too much detail. <laughs> Tell and us more, Terrence. You're, you're definitely going to see some differences in uh, grooming habits if you're looking at a 70s issue okay. of Playboy versus a okay. 2010. Like, I think it's always kind of reflected whatever the um, modern standards of beauty are. Uh-huh. Um, I don't think that it's, it's reflective of a Hugh Hefner type, necessarily. Okay. I, I think it's about presentation at this point. Like the, and the, the presentation hasn't been artistic. Mm-hmm. No, and so mm-hmm. now how do they do that in an artistic way, in a way that doesn't feel like it's just pornography? I, this could all be an excuse just for them to get into more VR stuff, because like that's that's the future of porn, right? So mm-hmm. we'll see. Um, the old style right now, I guess, it has competition from um, Sports Illustrated of all places. It's not full frontal nudity. It's true. It may as well be. Yeah, I mean, I think that's actually yeah. probably right. Is that's probably the more direct competition. They're not. Playboy isn't competing with. Uh, Pornhub mm-hmm. or what's the other big one? I feel like there's another one. Red Two. That's Red the two. other one. Sure. Yeah. Okay. Um, what's the matter with you, Devendra? I don't know. <laughs> I'm just like slow right now. Um, but yeah, I feel like maybe the swimsuit issue of uh, Sports Illustrated is probably the more mm-hmm. direct competition for them, except that, casual perverseness. Yeah. You know, except Sports it's Illustrated acceptable. swimsuit issue does not have quality journalism hiding inside <laughs> of it. Um, so yeah, I, I, I guess I'm kind of interested to see where this goes. We'll see if that's the the right decision for them. Uh, the one of the other big moves this week, um, a company bringing back something that had been they'd done away with was our parent company Verizon decided all of a sudden to bring back um, unlimited data plans. Uh, Nate Ingram wrote a, a piece yesterday about why they did this, uh, and you should go read that. We'll leave a link in the description part as I bang the microphone with my hand because I'm a spaz. Um, so, but let's let's start with the really basic thing, which is, you know, why did they need to do this? Uh, Devendra or Dana, you want to start this and kind of point us in the right direction? Well, I think the first, what I know is I wrote up a recent uh, Sprint plan change that reduced the price of their plans uh, significantly. And this almost seemed like a response to it. And Sprint has had a version of unlimited data for a while with some like throttling for video and stuff. So they've had it. They've had unlimited and their unlimited got cheaper. T-Mobile has had unlimited data for a while also with some bandwidth throttling. Um, so it seemed like that idea, the idea of unlimited data is just coming back and Verizon is nowhere. You know, AT&T still has some sort of option. Verizon has nothing. So Dana, is this, is this a move that you think was necessary for Verizon to kind of stay competitive? I do, um, and it's interesting. I mean, Nate mm-hmm. um, spent words on this, and you should read the words, but his argument is almost summed up in two different graphs, um, graphs showing um, T-Mobile's steady um, increase in both subscribers and revenue, whereas Verizon, um, it's still growing its subscriber base, but at a slower rate, and it's actually, mm-hmm. um, the revenue has dropped. Um, so T-Mobile, you could say, um, hasn't, closed the gap, but it's narrowed the gap. Mm-hmm. And that must have been um, alarming for Verizon. So I, I'm, where are these numbers? At this point, let's see. Verizon had 114 million subscribers as of the fourth quarter of 2016. T-Mobile had 71.5. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, that's a pretty sizable difference. It is, but T-Mobile has grown. Quickly. I can remember when T-Mobile was in fourth place, yep. and now it's in third yep. in this country. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, so here, here's one of the, the things that I, I sort of question, which is, um, you know, Verizon's sales pitch has always been about the quality of the network as opposed to the value proposition. Um, and does all of a sudden deciding that they need to go back to offering an unlimited plan, does that kind of undermine that at all? I mean, perhaps. I, I do think as we step towards 5G and, like, what all of that represents, like, we're going to have to go back to unlimited data. Like, that's the thing. Like, these services are getting so cheap, and, like, mm-hmm. there's so much stuff being, like, if you have a super fast network, what's the point of, uh, who cares if you have the fastest LTE, if, like, you can only drive it around the block a couple of times or something, right? So... It's we need to move to unlimited as we're expanding these networks anyway. So I was expecting this to happen a little later. Maybe as we start seeing five G rollout, uh, but it makes a lot of sense now. LT networks are pretty great, um, you know, for everybody. So it's hard for Verizon also to make the quality 
uh, argument when T-Mobile is almost as good. In specific areas, though. It, yeah, yeah, but even, like, within, like, going through buildings and things like that, like, uh, the lower frequency stuff, like, T-Mobile yeah. has caught up quite a bit. Maybe if you're in the middle of nowhere, like, in the forest somewhere, and, yeah, you'll probably have better luck with Verizon or AT&T there, but that's, you know, few people need that. It wasn't T-Mobile, but it was Sprint, I think, who mm-hmm. had has that ad campaign that says, well, they're within 1% of right. network coverage of Verizon. And it wasn't T-Mobile who, who issued that ad, but may as well have been. T-Mobile's have. ads were, Verizon's network is old. Like that was T-Mobile's thing because they were one of the later companies to 4G and that allowed them to roll out like their AWS, uh, AWS? I think that's it. Uh, spectrum yeah. faster. So like their higher end spectrum. So their network is a little younger and fresher and that's how they've been selling it. Um. Mm-hmm. I guess the other thing is, you know, there there's two sort of caveats here, which is one, it's a relatively expensive unlimited plan, right? Yeah. And B, it's not there. There are like limits here. Um, mm-hmm. You're you're basically. I don't know if it's a hard cap of 22 gig. It's not super clear. Um, but that after 22 gigabyte in a month, they might start throttling your stuff, which is basically the same that T-Mobile does, right? Mm-hmm. Um. So I mean, that's a well, lot of data. Though. It is even, a, even for yeah. like it is a lot. Of, well, yeah. so here's here's a question mm-hmm. for you: How much data do you have on your plan? I have unlimited. I have one of the older T-Mobile unlimited plans right now. Okay. So, and I typically use between three and five gigs a month. Mm-hmm. Dana, so I just switched to Verizon Unlimited, um, but I had been on the you switched to the unlimited plan. The new this unlimited? week. Oh. Yeah, and I, I had been on a six gigabyte plan, um, just me on the line. I don't have anyone else on my plan. And the monthly difference, I think, before taxes will be $5 a month. Mm-hmm. So I think that's good news for people like me who were already on Verizon. And this just it gives people like me a reason not to switch. So I don't know if that mm-hmm. will increase Verizon's growth, but it might prevent um, bleeding. Yeah, it might, it might stanch the bleeding. But, I mean, they're not bleeding, which is one of the things that I'm sort of confused about. Like, yeah. they're growing, just growing slower, um, which I think mm-hmm. we, won't, we won't get into that too much because I think that points to a bigger problem with yeah. how businesses run in this country yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, in general. It is, could yeah. be a preemptive move, like, given that T-Mobile's doing it, Sprint's doing yeah. it. Just as a, another thing, because T-Mobile, like, has thrown so much at people. Like, well, it's actually been really fascinating watching them over the past couple that years. Is a, that, is a, that is a word I would use to yeah, describe watching so T-Mobile. Things. is fascinating. So many things. Uh, and seeing John Ledger just get up there and get loud. Yeah. Um, that's directly led to more subscribers. But all the free features, too, that they're giving away to people, like, it's, it's all good stuff. And Verizon has, they've been very traditional and very, like, not vocal about yeah what's what uh, they they even lost their spokesman to sprint you know which i don't understand the point of that either yeah, like sprint doesn't have much know. of a leg to stand on anymore but yeah it's uh, still interesting so one, one question before we move on for you dana since uh which is how much data do you use a month like how much do you need that unlimited plan not that much but i mean um depending on the month certainly when we're at ces or i'm on another work trip where i'm out and about a lot um, I start to get those text alerts from Verizon that say you have used 90% mm-hmm. of your allotment. And it's happened enough times over the past year that I'd be just as happy to never see one of those warnings again. Fair enough. Yep. That sounds about right. I think people would pay for that privilege easily, too. So that's the thing. A lot of people would probably pay for this and never use that much data either. So it's still a technically more money in Verizon's pocket. Yeah. All right, our last topic for Flame Wars is the Nokia 3310, which is apparently coming back thanks to, what is, the, uh, where is this company's name? Is it HMD? Is that the name of the company? Sure, HMD Global, yeah. Yep. Um, who owns the Nokia name at this point. Um, for those who don't know, the Nokia 3310 is a, like, classic dumb phone um, that pretty much everybody owned at some yeah. point like i didn't own this but my mother owned it mm-hmm. um i think my father had one my brother had one i, I had it. one of the like slightly upgraded versions of this yeah yeah it's it's um if you if you think of like classic nokia cell phones from uh geez what year is this this is early aughts late 90s sure um it's that it, sounds about right yeah i mean i think this this is like what you're gonna think of um, it's got to be late 90s. It predates the Matrix, right? Yes. So that was 99. Yeah. yeah. 
that's my that's my point of reference for <laughs> <laughs> when things happen. Um, let's let's start with you, Dana. Um, which I guess let's start with this question, which is. Is there value in going back and bringing back sort of feature slash dumb phones and getting away from this sort of smartphone thing? I think it depends on the market. Um, I, I can see it more in the developing world, um, especially as services for dumb phones have continued to improve. For instance, we've covered recently um, that mobile banking has gotten, the ways in which mobile banking has gotten a little more sophisticated for dumb phones, um, specifically in the developing world. Um, I think it makes a little less sense, perhaps, for the European market, which is where um, this phone will be first be revealed at Mobile mm-hmm. World Congress later this month. And if it is indeed um, headed to Europe first, I think that makes a little less sense, just because it's more of a mature market. And meanwhile, the price of smartphones has steadily fallen and, and yeah. probably will keep falling. And, and I guess, to be clear, we don't know that it's going to debut in Europe. Um, this is also, at this point, still very much a rumor. Uh-huh. Uh, Did this come from EV leaks? Yes. Mm-hmm. So okay. this who, is... Who, to be fair, is often right. Yeah, mm-hmm. I mean, if we didn't have faith in it, we wouldn't have reported about it. We wouldn't be, wouldn't be talking about it right now. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it's... He's usually pretty reliable. I'm fairly certain this is actually going to happen. But I mean, even if it is revealed at MWC, that doesn't necessarily mean it's coming to Europe first either. Um, I don't... They love Nokia. They, that yeah. is true, though. They do yeah. love Nokia. Um, I guess, and they're they're talking about, like, a price point of, like, what, like 60 bucks, which is definitely cheaper than even most budget smartphones, mm-hmm. but it's still a high enough price, though, that it's, it's not um, an impulse purchase, necessarily, right. for those sorts of markets, like the developing markets, right? Yeah, I, I'd imagine if they were bringing this back, it would be cheaper. Like, that would be the main appeal. Um, it doesn't make sense as a primary phone, but as a secondary phone, something like something to keep in your car in case your cell phone runs out of juice. Or I guess you could charge with your car now. There are reasons to have phones like this, too. Like, even if you try to disconnect from modern technology, I think it's useful to carry something like this around just in an emergency mm-hmm. in case something goes wrong. Because it is kind of crazy that it's hard to conceive of a world where we used to be around and not instantly reachable for calling the police or just like reaching loved ones or something. So kind of makes sense in that respect. I, yeah. I, I'd love to see dumb phones come back for secondary sort of uses like this. Um, I mean, also they're valuable because I miss mono mo- monotone ringtones. Just this little program. Yeah. That Nokia sound is pretty good. Um, <laughs> but I, this is not the only dumb phone that Nokia has. Mm-hmm. Um, and like HMD bought all their dumb phone lineup. Yeah, pretty yeah. Much. Like and there's there's many of them. Mm-hmm. This is not like them getting back into the dumb phone market necessarily. This is them bringing back a specific feature phone that feels like a classic. Like there's a retro nostalgia mm-hmm. thing going on here. Um, Didn't we see either Linksys or Netgear do that with one of their routers? Yes, Linksys, uh, Linksys did that. The yeah. the blue one with all the why. Um, um, octopus arms coming uh-huh. out of it. I'm forgetting the name of the router off the top of my head, but it's a, uh, I mean, well, so that's a slightly different beast, I think, in that uh, though that Linksys router, A, it wasn't necessarily all about nostalgia and retro because it wasn't that old, mm-hmm. but also those routers had gotten a... Per- they, they got an under-the-hood upgrade, at least. Well, they got an under-the-hood hood upgrade, but those particular routers were also very popular among, like, sort of hackers and tinkers and stuff because they had... Uh, a very flexible firmware. Um, mm-hmm. So if you did like a lot of, if you were the kind of person who really liked to customize their home network and poke mm-hmm. under the hood of things, this was like the router you owned. This was like, yeah. I owned one of these routers and like, you know, had a small, was hosting a small website from my apartment and had like uh, an FTP server set up. So yeah. that before the advent of Spotify, so that I could access all of my music everywhere. <laughs> Look at his face. I'm a big nerd. Yeah. Big nerd. Yeah. I mean, this is... Have you met Terrence? This is a thing that I, I spent time on. He is, he's blushing over a router. I just want to... Oh, I, for the record. Yeah, I mean... This is what happens to every... Whenever we write about routers, by the way, for some reason, our readers are just like really into it. They really are. It's all, it's all Terrence's fault. Yeah, it is. Like, this is... We all secretly feel this way. I actually just got a new router, too, so I'm very excited about it. I got a new router not that long ago, and I kind of hate it. Um, Aw. <laughs> uh, but, you yeah, know, I feel like this is... 
it's really weird to get nostalgic and retro mm-hmm. for a feature phone, though. Yeah. Like, it's not like they're repackaging the brand and the design and adding modern features to try mm-hmm. and lure in new customers. They they clearly think that for some reason this is going to ha- hold an appeal for people, and I feel like it's got to be outside of just the developing markets, right? They, they feel like be. somebody is going to buy I mean, there is a slow tech movement. Is that what you call it? Like, there is a movement sure. of people... Like a maybe like mainly like a hipster thing at this point, but people who just like purposefully go backwards a little, um, just so they're not always connected all the time, but still have some sort of tech. So slow tech is part of that. Yeah, yeah. could be just relate to those ports, those people. I guess we'll see how that pans mm-hmm. out for them. I'm kind of interested to see it honestly. Sure. Um, I miss candy bar phones. They used to. They felt so good. I was a big fan of Sony Ericsson's back in the day. Yeah. Um. So I think that's a good jumping off point, mm-hmm. actually to move into group chat uh, where every week we kind of discuss a bigger topic and this week uh, again we're making some changes some tweaks to the format I kind of wanted to get out of the news cycle a little bit sure um, and because the news cycle is a trash fire right now so yeah. yeah sure yeah kind of well and that's kind of one of the things I wanted to talk about which is this sort of this idea of unplugging you know I think I can't remember if it was the last episode of the ep- episode before that we were sort of, sort of talking about um how the news cycle has impacted the way you use social media and how addicted to it you are. And the flip side of that is knowing when to kind of unplug and disconnect. Mm-hmm. Um, so let, let's start with what, when is the last time you just like completely unplugged for at least like a full day, Devendra? Uh, probably the last time I went to see my family in Georgia, just because they live kind of outside of Atlanta and they have Wi-Fi and everything, but when I'm hanging out with them, less of a reason for me to be checking Twitter all day and everything. And how long ago was that? I'm trying to think. September? Okay. Yeah. Dana, when's the last time you just, like, unplugged from, from the internet for an entire day? I don't do that. <laughs> I haven't... I, I don't know if I've done that since the last time I was out of the country and didn't have um, a mobile data connection. Um, that was years ago. <laughs> Did this suddenly become like a really depressing conversation for you? <laughs> yeah, I don't really um, unplug. And I think you you know very well that on vacations even, I would keep my internet connection if only to taunt you mm-hmm. while you're covering for me while I'm on vacation. Yeah. And then yeah. you also like to like just poke and forward emails and stuff like and chime in on things when you don't need to be. Um, oh, I, I'm the worst, guys. Um, <laughs> yeah, it's true. Don't work with me. I am the worst. <laughs> <laughs> Um, so yeah, but I mean, I, I unplugged this weekend for a little bit. I didn't get quite as unplugged as I would have liked. Mm-hmm. Um, partially that's because, um, the people around me didn't necessarily unplug a hundred percent and I was getting like, at some point, uh, my cousin's wife like walked in and was like giving me a news update and I like shushed her. I was just like, no, no, <laughs> this weekend is not about this. Yeah. It's like, I'm going to read my book. We are going to get drunk and play Cards Against Humanity, and that's what this is about. That sounds pretty good. Um, are you So are you talking about unplugging just in general from, like, our crazy connected world or the insane news cycle? Because the news cycle is something else entirely right now, too. They are, but I think they're, inter- they're, they're very tightly interconnected. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. let's start with just the news cycle, because I think that's the lower barrier for entry here. Yeah. Um, and then we can talk more about sort of unplugging from everything in general. So you, you know, I don't think it's any secret that like the, the news cycle, the constant barrage of everything is making people very tense and feel very mm-hmm. stressed, no matter whether you're happy about the current political situation or not. Like it's, um, it's a constant barrage. And if you are not plugged in, you will miss news, important yeah. news. Yeah. And and that's kind of that that, that 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 FOMO, that fear of missing out thing. Like you don't want to be an hour behind finding out that um, you know we're banning other people from entering the country, or somebody else has withdrawn. That's a wild that. Friday afternoon. Yeah. yeah. Um, but it is important, right? Yeah. I mean, I'm sure at some point you guys have done the same thing mm-hmm. I've done, which is. You've been sitting around watching TV or whatever else, and you're getting ready to go to bed, and you, for whatever stupid reason, pick up your phone and look at Twitter before you go to sleep. (laughs) And instead of going to sleep, it turns into, like, an hour and a half to two hours of, like, reading Twitter, going to read the New York Times, 
like fighting with people on Facebook. And then okay, before I don't you do that. what <laughs> I don't fight with anybody. You don't on fight Facebook. with people on Facebook. I mean, that's to be fair. I try not to do that. Um, but like, it's one of those things where it's really easy to like disappear down a rabbit hole, mm-hmm. and it stresses you out, and makes it hard to sleep. Yeah. Um, there. So, how do you deal with that? Like, how do you? You have to have a point where you talk, turn that off, right? For sure. I, I think, especially as Trump's presidency like started gearing up, like after he was inaugurated it seemed like we had to be looking like we had to see everything he was doing to make sure like he's not going to set the world on fire. And that sort of did happen. And after a week or so, I just decided like every night if I'm having dinner or, you know, I I try to set aside some time where I'm not looking at news. I also try to block out at least an hour every night just to read something else. Mm -hmm. So either on my Kindle or a magazine or something, just something that's not even related to the news cycle. I tried that and yeah. failed. Oh, I was going to say, do you have like a hard cutoff? <laughs> do you carve out time every day, Dana, to just like ignore the news cycle for even like an hour? So after I brush my teeth at night, I crawl into bed and ideally I'll be reading something. And I, I succeeded in reading a little fluff. I read some Runner's World. I read some Cooking Light magazine. <laughs> I too have lots of interests, Terrence. <laughs> um, but then last night, I instead of grabbing a magazine, I took my phone and I opened Twitter and I didn't I, I went to sleep when my eyes started closing, mm. and basically I almost fell asleep in bed with Twitter open on my phone. Um, and I, I woke up and, and put and docked my phone and put it away. But um, that is how a lot of my nights recently have come to a close. Yeah, is that is that affecting your sleep at all though? No, I mean I have crappy sleep for a lot of reasons, and um, I I have weird dreams. <laughs> uh, I even dreamt one night that. Engadget editors were calling elected officials to um, pitch Engadget stories. That sounds pretty rad. We should be calling them just to yell at them. Pitch a great feature yeah. idea to yeah. your local congressperson. Sure. Um, Let me talk to you. But no, it, I, I don't think my sleep is necessarily any worse because okay. of it. I, I, I've always had trouble sleeping as well. Um, like, my whole family does. Like, I suffer from insomnia. I have mm-hmm. night terrors and shit. It's horrible (laughs) um but it's definitely the sort of thing that i can usually tie to um things going on in my life in Mm -hmm. the real world like when i'm stressed at work it's more uh, it's more likely that i'm going to have like these night terrors or i'm going to have trouble sleeping and i've definitely noticed that over the last couple of months being so immersed in this news cycle like just being constantly inundated by like twitter alerts it's a whirlwind yeah it's I, crazy so so when i saw a great twitter post last night somebody likened it to the battlestar galactica, galactica episode the first one where the silences keep coming every yep. 33 minutes and you can't sleep you can't rest because nope. something something is going to happen you have to be prepared for the end of the world and that's basically what it's felt like yeah, yeah. i mean every time my phone vibrates I get, yep. I honestly get like momentary panic. Like I get a little like, mm-hmm. like I've, is this a New York Times alert that something has gone horribly wrong? There's and the then new, the New York Times yeah. alert is that Adele won for best album, and you're like, <laughs> stop it, well, <laughs> don't scare me. <laughs> like I, it's it's yeah. weird when your phone goes off and you look at it, and I forget who made this joke, and it's really a horrible <laughs> joke, so I'm not gonna. But like, you know, you look at it and you go, oh, thank God, it's just a celebrity who died. Like okay. when that's like a, yeah. a relief that you go, oh, thank God, it's just Mary Tyler Moore. Because we're like, just bracing ourselves for like something. The, yeah, th- that's like terrible. a horrible place to be. Yep. Um, and it's definitely been killing me. Like it's definitely mm-hmm. been harming my sleep. And over the last uh, week or so, I've been trying to, after dinner, mm-hmm. not touch my phone. That's probably a good call. Like I get a, Like I yeah. get off of work. I'll go for a run. I'll go to the gym. I'll do whatever else I need to do. I cook dinner. And then after dinner, that's it. Mm-hmm. I don't touch my phone except for um, maybe clearing out email before I go to sleep. I don't check Twitter. And instead, I've just like been reading. Mm. So for me, it's funny. This isn't really unplugging at all. But I watch, <laughs> I have been allowing myself a lot of crap TV. Um, like I could be on my couch with my phone in my hand and I could be glued to Twitter. But in the background, I'm going to have either the Food Network or <laughs> HGTV. Been watching a lot sure. of diners, drive-ins, and dives. Um, Property Brothers, Fixer Upper, you name it. And so that's not really unplugging, right? No. Having that screen time, but it, um, 
in comparison, it feels like unplugging. It's like side plugging. I yeah. Don't know. Well, I mean, he, side plugging. Yeah. What? <laughs> it's like it's second screen. You're just like whatever. It's like it's just drifting past you. I want to make that a thing. <laughs> side plugging. Yeah. It sounds weird. Yeah. <laughs> it's the more you say it, the more it sounds yep. gross. Yep. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so, but I mean. If you put down the phone, though, and just mm-hmm. watched the bad TV, that's got to be at least somewhat better. I think so. I think getting getting our minds completely away from this hellstorm is useful, like the internet in general, but yeah. this particular news cycle is pretty bad. So having that hour where I'm just like, okay, I pick up my Kindle, I'm reading Haruki Murakami's book about running right now, which is fantastic and great. Um, it things like that just getting your mind away for an hour really helps what i've noticed and what i really try to avoid doing is like the twitter sync like you just like start scrolling and then somehow you're there and half an hour goes by and an hour goes by and yep. you haven't done anything nope you're just staring at twitter maybe retweeting a couple of things not even participating like if i was actively tweeting and saying and contributing things i feel like that'd be more productive so yeah. That is something that I caught myself doing more and more recently, mm-hmm. um, which is one of kind of like the alarms that started going off in my head. It's like, this is not a thing I normally do. Yep. Like, I it used to be that I'd occasionally retweet something, like, we're talking like twice a week, and usually it would involve some sort of commentary, and it got to the point recently over the last couple of months where I'm just like mindlessly doing it. Mm-hmm. Like, I'm just scrolling through, retweeting things, retweeting things, retweeting things, like, five a day yeah. as opposed to two a week. So national like, anxiety, basically, but yeah. Uh, but that was like a warning sign to me. Mm-hmm. I was like, something's gone horribly wrong. Um, and I kind of made a point to like actually unplug this weekend. And I think, you know, completely disconnecting from the internet and from the modern world in many mm-hmm. ways is also something that's like incredibly valuable and not just because of the current mm-hmm. news cycle. Um, you know, it's it's easy to disappear down those holes, the Twitter hole, the Wikipedia hole, whatever it is, even if the world isn't on fire. Yeah. Like, um, and kind of getting away from that, which also I think is anxiety producing. It right? is, yeah. Like, that's we're just in a constant state of anxiety right now. So you kind of have to figure out the tools that you need to help you survive it. Like, I've been doing, uh, like, daily meditation between five and ten minutes, which is nice. Mm-hmm. You might not think that's useful, but actually that act is sort of like what your brain should be doing while you're sleeping. Like it's yep. processing anxiety and like things you should care about and just like clearing your mind. That's useful. And the daily reading and trying to control, like you get to control yourself. Yeah. Um, you kind of, it's sort of like you're on an airplane, right? And, and they say when the oxygen masks come down, put it on yourself before you help other people. Cause you, you need to be conscious to do that. So that's kind of how I see it. You kind of have to be de-stressing to survive. Yeah. I mean, so how do you de-stress, Dana? How do you, like, disconnect? Um, so we've, we've talked about how I don't unplug, but, yeah. I mean, in terms of keeping myself grounded, um, I do a lot of the things that I still enjoy, right? Um, and I've come to terms with that, that I am allowed to be concerned as a citizen, um, but I'm allowed to still have joy in my life. So yeah, I can mm-hmm. still go running every day, and I can see friends and laugh with them, and I can um, cook delicious food, Um and, I mean, that's what life is all about, right? Mm-hmm. I don't have as many interests as you, but... <laughs> <laughs> You're getting there. We're piling habits. Yes. We're piling hobbies um, on. Uh. So that's... I mean, I, I, at, at first, and I, I may have even spoken about this on the podcast, I initially, after um, Trump took office, felt some guilt about publishing, about um, posting about frivolous stuff on social networks, especially Facebook, where I tend to be less political, right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Precisely because there's no... There isn't exactly a retweet button on Facebook. And even if there was, people aren't accustomed to seeing people post um, five times an hour. You'd get unfollowed if you did that. Oh, for sure. So I'm less political on Facebook. I post less often in general. Um, I kind of save that for Twitter. And on Facebook, I've just sort of come to terms with the fact that I can post about stupid stuff and um, people won't be upset with me. Yeah. That it's okay. So I... Not stupid stuff, or even just stuff about me enjoying my life still. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's you have to have that. You have to have something that's stupid, not stupid, but a little bit frivolous, a little bit lighter-hearted. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I, I try to meditate. Um, I have mixed success. Generally, it's, the, it's one of those things, like, I try to get in the habit of doing it, yeah. and I succeed for, like, a week at a time, and then I kind, I kind of fall off, and yeah. day by day it gets less and less. But I do find that running is kind of meditative for me. Yeah. Like, that's... 
like a good way to kind of clear my mind. I mean, do you have that experience at least, Dana? Is that like a mo- or are you still like, are you the person who listens to news podcasts while they run? No, I listen to music. It's funny. I'm thinking of Mindy Kaling, who I think <laughs> there was a chapter of her memoir that I think was, um, I'm paraphrasing. It was like murder fantasies I have while running on the treadmill. <laughs> so I think the end product of running is that I get a lot of stress and aggression out and I mm-hmm. feel upbeat and satisfied in the end, but I am not necessarily thinking calm or happy thoughts while I'm running. No, I mean, it's, I don't know that it's calm or happy thoughts. I, I, I imagine that to at least some extent, your mind works somewhat like mine, where it's always running a mile a minute. It's always I do. You tend to go to dark places occasionally. Well, I, I, I have on some runs found clarity. I've had aha moments while mm-hmm. running, and mm-hmm. I feel like in a way I'm more likely to have those aha moments while I'm running than when I'm sitting at my desk yep. or lying in bed and ruminating. I do a lot of like that sort of thinking about how to approach things at work while I'm running. Like, I do a lot of that. It's a lot of, like, that's my brainstorming moment yep. by myself. Yep. Is I go out for a run. I put on my running playlist, which is, you know, at this point I know every song by heart on it. It may be, like, three days long, but it doesn't matter. I listen to it so much <laughs> um, that it's just kind of, like, second nature. I lock into the groove. I go. But I do a lot of thinking about, like, how I approach work, how I do these sort of things. And, like, sometimes I get ideas about, like, something that I want to do or a project that I want to do at home and, like, that sort of thing. Um, but I do feel like we also benefit from, like, unplugging for longer. Like, mm-hmm. that's nice to have that, like, hour or whatever it is that you go running and all I do is, you know, I listen to Cameron and DJ Khaled for, <laughs> like, 45 minutes while okay. I run. And it's great. Um but there's also a lot of value in just, like, taking several days or even just, like, For a sure. full day and just, like, deciding I'm not going to touch the internet. Mm-hmm. And not only that, I'm not going to touch my phone. Um, and I think there there's something to be said for not touching your phone, period. Like, yeah. Yeah. even if you're not looking at Twitter or looking at Facebook, um, even just something like pulling out your camera to take a photo of something, like, kind of takes you out of the moment mm-hmm. of experience, whatever you're doing. I believe that. I also think at this point I'd get twitchy in the beginning. <laughs> you will. Which yeah. is not a twitchiness I necessarily want to experience on vacation. <laughs> so you don't put ease, me through you with, ease off. I don't it. want to experience withdrawal symptoms on my what's supposed to be my time off. Mm-hmm. So he, here's here's what I'll say about that. Um, and I'm kind of looking forward to getting back into disconnecting more regularly. Um, it's something that I used to do on a fairly regular basis. I used to do like a decent amount of backpacking and like mm-hmm. hiking. Um, a couple of years ago, I hurt myself. So that has not been happening as much. And just, st- just starting to get back into it. And like the first time, the first time you go out and you realize you have like no cell phone service and the only person you have to keep talk to is whoever's literally standing right next to you, whether that's a friend you bought with you or a stranger you ran into <laughs> on the trail. Um, it's actually kind of nice and while it gets a little bit stressful at first, you get over that really quick. And it's mm-hmm. especially if you have something to distract you. Um, I think like that's kind of the key to the disconnecting thing for extended periods of time is you need an activity. If disconnecting and like sitting in a in your apartment without internet, staring at a wall, like yeah. that doesn't work. <laughs> um, going out and like brutalizing yourself by carrying 40 pounds of crap on your back for 16 miles that works because you're too focused on trying not to like fall down and die (laughs) and how tired you are to worry about what you're missing on twitter Uh uh-huh yeah you don't make hiking sound very fun oh it's the best (laughs) (laughs) that sounds like yeah crazy hiking like i'm i like the day hikes where you you know walk a couple miles or something just like see the sights you want to like go backpack and stay somewhere in the middle of the trail yeah like yeah okay i mean yeah, yeah, you're you're insane. But I see, I see your point. There's definitely a use for having like a day or two completely off. What I try to do right now is just the little things. Like if I'm having dinner with people, really don't need my phone out. Like I yeah. don't need to take Instagrams of everything anymore. Um, one thing I have noticed too is like if I'm sitting and watching something, I like to just watch it. Yes. You know, I like to focus on the TV shows I'm watching or the movies I'm watching. Um, and so many times when I'm watching with other people, they're either on their computer or on their phone or a tablet or something. And I feel like we don't even really watch things as much anymore. So on top of like 
you know, disconnecting, I also think we need to focus better yep. on the other things we're doing. That is that is something else that I've also found mm-hmm. I do, and that's something that Dana, you were just admitting that you were doing as you sit in front of your TV, but also have. But your phone yeah, out. if your goal is to sit and veg, but and like that's a useful, you relaxing have more thing sophisticated too. taste in content, right? So if I were watching the shows and movies that you watch, I would oh, probably I have a list for you, Dana. Give it my full attention. But if you were watching a rerun of Love It or List It that you'd already seen, you'd sure. probably be doing something but else. But that's also. that to me, I like doing that too. But eventually, that starts to feel like the whole Twitter thing. Like I'm just I'm just refreshing this content. Yeah, and it is adding nothing yeah. to my life. So. The only the only exception is like Bourdain for me. Like I always feel like whatever I watch from him will <laughs> inevitably give me something cool, and that relaxes me. Yeah. Um, Dana, I want to challenge you to take a day off the internet. <laughs> I really want you to do this. Just, just like a no. full day. Just take away her router. Everything. Just like you don't have to do it like this weekend, but like maybe in the next two weeks. Just like take a Sunday. Mm-hmm. Wake up. Don't okay. turn your phone on. I don't have an out-of-town trip planned until early May, and that might be another problem in and of itself, that I'm stockpiling my vacation days for no reason. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that could um, be well, I mean, don't, don't go anywhere. Just take a day where you don't touch the internet. Don't, don't touch don't, the internet. Don't just go like, see people. Like, that's what I've noticed. Too. Yeah. Like, it's easier if like, you go have brunch with friends. Like, that's your whole morning and part I of the afternoon. Friends. Come on, Dana. I have friends, and I like brunch. I'm not saying, you're you not go? saying you don't have friends you and don't go? like brunch. That's a good way to disconnect. Yeah. It's like you don't even here's, think about Here's it. what I suggest is get up Sunday morning, <laughs> text somebody, call somebody. I'm having brunch Sunday, but that friend is bringing a baby. Oh, even and better. So Go to brunch, hang out with the baby. Don't take any photos of the baby. <laughs> don't and go then your friends could be like, why aren't you taking photos of the baby? Is don't, Instagra- baby Instagram don't Instagram the child. Don't Instagram your brunch. <laughs> don't tweet about it. Just like hang out and be there in the moment. Then go home. You may go on the internet to look up a recipe, something new to cook. Give yourself a task, and like a, a, a challenge. You can print it out yeah. the day before. You can do that. And then do the crossword puzzle, the New York Times crossword puzzle, and go to sleep. I like I this do the crossword puzzle on the app. <laughs> and now she's making a, a hair mustache. Mm. Um, yeah, I don't know. I Honestly, I, I unplugged this weekend for a while, mm-hmm. and it felt so nice. It yeah. was... Very relaxing. I definitely came back in a much better mood mm-hmm. than I left in. And I don't even think that had anything to do with, like, taking a Didn't day off of work. Didn't you, like, go on, on Twitter at some point to rant about something political? <laughs> Did you? Nope. Didn't you? Nope. I, I might have done that Monday night after <laughs> I got back. You didn't yell at Donald Trump on Twitter while you were gone? Nope. I didn't pay, I didn't look at Twitter once while I was on gone. Okay. I got, Probably I, smart. I went yeah. upstate uh, Friday night. I almost died multiple times. Okay. Uh, thanks to the snow. <laughs> And then, yeah, I, at some point Saturday, I walked out into the woods, and I literally stood in the middle of six inches of snow by myself for 15 minutes and just listened. That is all I did. And it was great. That sounds pretty good. Yeah. And then I went back to the cabin, put on a fire, drank a whole bunch of whiskey, Mm-hmm. and played Cards Against Humanity. I was thinking about what I thought was maybe an unplugging moment. It really wasn't because I used my phone to film it. I went to Maine <laughs> last summer. And the best part of that vacation, there were a lot of great parts, but we were on this lake house with a dock, and we'd go out onto the dock each morning, and we'd feed the ducks. And it would start with one duck, and then the ducks would speak their duck language, and more would come. Mm-hmm. It'd be like three dozen um, ducks. Sorry, Shivani. <laughs> <laughs> Our producer off camera is has a, a phobia whole flock of, of, of ducks. ducks. Just imagine that. she is um, twitching right now. <laughs> feeding the ducks was the best part, but then I filmed it with my camera, so um, that was not unplugging. No, the only the only worry I found from disconnecting a little is when you finally do get back. It's like, what fresh hell is this? Yeah. Like, you just get back and like something else in the government or the world is on fire, or something Trump did, or one of his lackeys did. So. My next project is figuring out how to like take that information and try not to let it consume me either, because you still have to live through your life yep. while all of this is happening. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, that's another challenge. That's, yes. that's perhaps a bigger and harder challenge. Yep. Uh, one for another day. I think, short term though, we all need to like just disconnect every day. Like, mm-hmm. make a little time, and maybe once a week, pick a day. Don't go on the, just don't go on the internet. That's why movies, like actually going to the movie theater now, is even better because, yeah, so there are still some people who pull out their phones and stuff, but it does force you to like not put your do phone that. away. Yeah. yeah. Um, I think that's a solid transition, by the way. Okay. Um, 
to our next segment, which is going to be extraordinarily short, um, and we need a name for. So uh, if you're a reader or a viewer or a listener or whatever it is, we need, a, we, need a, we need a good catchy name for this segment. It's basically just Engadget Recommends. Mm-hmm. Um, what we're reading, watching, listening to, whatever's kind of catching our attention, and uh, whether it's important or helping us to relax or whatever it is, something that uh, we think is valuable, even if that's something on our own site that people should be paying attention to. Um, so, yeah, this is, this is Engadget Recommends, the first instance of this. Um, Devendra, what's, what do you got? On I'm, y- I'm so looking forward to this segment because this is what I do all day. Um, I just finished The Young Pope, mm-hmm. the new show on HBO, and I'd recommend it to everybody. Uh, it's fantastic. It's kind of like uh, kind of surreal, but also beautiful. Stalls, uh, it stars Jude Law as a, you know, he's a 40-something going on 50 dude, but as far as somebody who's made Pope, that's still relatively young. And the show's entirely about that. And like, what will this young person do? And people think he'll be very progressive, and it turns out he's not. And how does that affect the world? Um, it's all about somebody who's ill-equipped to handle power coming into power, and it seems especially relevant today. Uh, so there's that. And also Haruki Murakami's book that I'm reading, What I Talk About When I Talk About Running, really that. good. It's really good. Yeah. I need to I need to I, read that. That's on my to read list yeah. at some point. Dana Dana's making a stinky face. And not stinky, but I I did not enjoy <laughs> it's like his it. As, journal. I didn't yeah. enjoy it as much as um, other people led me to believe I would. Do you like his stuff? Like that's, that's I do. Of... I, I like Norwegian Wood. I found okay. the book about running to be um, a little repetitive. It's a journal. Like he's just he's he literally makes a lot just of the like, same points over yeah, and over yeah. again. He's just it's his daily journal that he printed out over a couple of years, but. I love him as an author. He's one of my favorite authors. Um, so just hearing him talk about it uh, and what running did for him and how he's kind of managing his life. And he talks about like what you were mentioning, Terrence, like how running can help you deconstruct and reorganize your life a little. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, worth a read. All right. Uh, Dana, what about you? What do you recommend people check out? Um, so I just finished a novel. It's not a new novel. It's been out a few years. I read um, Arcadia, which is uh, takes place in a commune in the 70s in upstate New York. Um, and the book spans many years after that. Um, but I enjoyed it. Yeah. Um, I my, my recommendation is I've been reading um, Bill Bryson's A Walk in the Woods, also mm-hmm. not a new one. Um, this is also one of these things that's kind of been making me want to get back out there and do some hiking and uh, get back on the trail a little bit. Uh, for those who don't know, Bill Bryson's A Walk in the Woods is about him attempting to hike the Appalachian Trail through Hike It from beginning to end, which is an absurd undertaking, especially for a man who, when the book starts, has no experience hiking, (laughs) is out of shape, and is on the, uh, probably the the wrong side of middle-aged for having done this. Um, I won't, not too spoilery to say (laughs) that he doesn't successfully through Hike It, um, but it's still a super interesting read, and it kind of reminds you of the power of just, again, kind of like getting out there and disconnecting. This was like something I decided that I was going to read during my weekend while I was disconnecting. Mm -hmm. I was like, remind myself of what it's like to be out in the middle of the woods with everything I need to survive strapped to my back. Um, And it's a lovely feeling. Nice. It's going to happen again, I hope so. Okay. Um, So yeah, that's pretty much it. That's the show. Um, We will be back next week. And hopefully you will tune in. <laughs> um, Devendra, in the meantime, where can find people find you on the internet? Oh, I'm at Devendra on Twitter, and I also podcast about movies and TV at slashfilm.com. Uh, Dana, where can the fine people find you? Um, very simply, Dana Wallman on Twitter. No space, just my full name. And I am at Terrence O'Brien. Lots of E's, no A's. Uh, thank you for tuning in. Again, make sure to tune in next week. Uh, subscribe in your podcast app of choice. Rate us on iTunes. All of that fun stuff. And if you have suggestions for a name for that segment, if you have feedback about the show in general, please hit us up. Let us know. You can find us on Twitter at our respective names as we gave. You can also hit us uh, at Engadget Podcast on Twitter, or you can email us podcast at Engadget. Um, So, yeah, thanks for tuning in.